Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Yes, if you want to turn to John chapter 17, our scripture reference will be John 15, but we're going to start at John 17, and uh, Ed's laughing because we've been in some of these chapters for quite some time. Feels almost like the uh, six month of Colossians, (laughs) but the message doesn't change. I, uh, I leak quite a bit, so it's not a sign of spirituality, it's just what God does to me. But when Steve opened up today and said, Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, but I just sense the presence of God. There's a hush that kind of came over because he stopped to thank and honor the Holy Spirit. And for me, that's a lot of times when a fellowship and a church service begins is when he walks in the room. Jesus said, I can't be with you for a whole lot longer. I'm going to leave. My, my physical body is going to be crucified. And I'm going to send you back myself to dwell in you through the Holy Spirit. Because God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. But there are how many? One. We're, we're not a polytheistic society here. We don't worship multiple gods. There's one God. That's amazing that the atmosphere changes. And I, I, I just vision in my mind as the Holy Spirit walks moves in a room. Things change. Don't they? I mean, sometimes I feel convicted in those situations. And I don't even have to have anybody say anything. And sometimes I feel overjoyed. And sometimes I feel overwhelmed. And I hate to say this, Sometimes he's walking through the room. I don't feel anything. Isn't that sad? You ever been there? And everyone around you is sensing a change in the atmosphere. I walk in the room of the house, I hear Grandpa. As my youngest one calls it out. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he changes the atmosphere. I'm grateful to have this opportunity you have two godly pastors that I've known a long time. I'm not buying to be your third. <laughs> I'm grateful for my opportunity, but I encourage you to receive the messages as God gives them. It comes in different ways, and we can pick favorites on how we want the word delivered. God's asking you to receive from every way that he delivers. There's pastoral messages. Look, that's that's the meat and potatoes. We need the meat and vegetables. We need that. Because that's the actual growth that occurs. Pastoral teaching, pastoral preaching is the one that's in the trenches with all of us. Amen? 
me and Walt and Bo, and we work as coaches, and we'll teach your kids something for three years, and some guy will come in on a camp. He'll say the exact same thing, and the kid will come to us and say, you won't believe what I learned. <laughs> and we've grown to say, we understand. Let's go try this new move. There are prophetic words. There are moments in a service or in your life where God delivers something. It's short, it's powerful, it's impactful. But don't go chasing that. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in the pastoral teaching, the pastoral preaching, the prophetic word. There are tongues and interpretation. Don't go chasing. Receive what God says. They're evangelists. They have a purpose, right? Don't go chasing evangelists. Don't chase the man or woman. Chase the one who's fought your soul forever. I hear so much in my head. I don't know about you. And I wonder, am I supposed to tell somebody that? This mic would be filled with all of us coming up here if we just talked about everything God says to us. What's God say to you many times? That's just for who? It's just for you. When he tells you and he pushes your button and it's time to share it, it's impactful. Don't run from that either. I just give you some of these things I think about. And when people sometimes say things and you thought, wait a minute, that was probably just for them. Have grace. We're all learning, right? We're all learning how to do this. God was equally in all of it. So my text is going to be John 15, but we're going to look at John 17, 3 first, and a couple of verses out of 17. I'm going to ask some questions. They're not rhetorical. You are more than welcome to supply an answer. Let's begin with John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. First question. What is eternal life? Anyone? So it's not that mansion that he's building for me. What would a mansion be in heaven without Jesus? What would eternity be if he wasn't there? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So can I have eternal life here? I have eternal life. You have eternal life. Let me read it again. This is eternal life, amen, that you may, wow, you get to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's amazing. Verse seven and eight. How? We had a good discussion in our small group on this. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they, what? They received them and truly understood 
that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. That's a mouthful. Salvation is so simple, a six-year-old can get it. And it can be so complex, so amazingly beautiful that it takes how long? Probably a lifetime and another million years to understand how he would come and save me out of the depths that I didn't even know I was in. I know how far away I was from God more now than I did at 16 years old. Because I was in the church, leader of the Methodist Youth Fellowship, lost as a ball in high weeds. Because I'd said a prayer, raised my pinky, and my mama declared me saved. Praise God for mamas. But from what I showed forth as fruit, I promise you, there was no salvation. Until a man shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God took these scales off of my eyes. And raised this dead man from the grave and said, you're mine. And I said, yes. I repent of sin. And the things I once loved, I now hate. My life changed. It was different. Can it be growing up in the faith and stepping into it? Yes. Can you look pretty good on the outside and step into faith? Yes. Do you have to go down to the muck and mire? You don't have to. But I teach at a place right now where I would say 90-something percent of them believe that their eternity is in heaven because of what they do on the outside. My concern is do you know Jesus? That's eternal life. And that's what he's saying in verse 7 and verse 8. 15, 16, and 17 of chapter 17. And yes, we are going to John 15. So we have to get a foundation from the backside, the forward side to come back. 15, 16, and 17. Stay with me. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth your word is true. When we are saved, where do we stay? We stay in the world, right? But what is now different? We are no longer of the world. The word world has a lot of different meanings that we may go with. We stay in the world, not of the world. We become sanctified in and through what truth? The Word. Now, if I memorize all these verses, did that change me? No. It's the application of the Word by the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. If I've come up with a whole new theological understanding that no one before me ever had, Am I right? No. I'm not. 
If I understand something here totally different than the church history and Christians forever have known, I need to check that. If someone delivers to you a truth that is not in here, you need to run the other way. If it's not found in here, be very careful. So, what does the message look like? Verse 22 of chapter 17. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them and even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. The thing that the world needs to see is an abiding relationship that we have with Jesus. That is the thing that changes the world. Now I go back to John 15. Thank you very much. The message that Eric and Steve have shared from Colossians, Christ in us, the hope of glory, us in God, we're hidden in God, the box and the box and all the boxes together. I thought I was reading Dr. Seuss for a while. <laughs> but it's the same truth. It's the same truth in 17. When you go back and read John 14, it's the same truth. Jesus loves us. He wants a relationship with us. And by abiding in him, we are then the witness to the world. The deeper that we are walking and abiding in him, the more impact we will have on the world. He's about to blow the Jews' mind in verse 1 of chapter 15. He's about to really mess them up with what he says. Because in the Old Testament, who would have been the vine mentioned throughout the Old Testament? Israel. Israel. Well, this may blow your mind. Jesus has fulfilled the law. Jesus has ended one part of everything to begin the next part of the rest of eternity. And he says in verse 1, he says, I am. Now, first of all, those two words represent who? God. But he says, I am the true vine. And my father. Oh, my goodness. You understand what he's saying? My father is the vine dresser. Now, he's surrounded by Israelites, Jews, who think that they are the vine. And were they? And in a sense, are we still to respect Israel? Yes. But there is no connection by birth naturally getting to heaven now. It's by new birth through the Spirit to the Son of God. He says, I am the vine. No one comes to the Father except through me. That had to be pretty radical. Right? There is no religion that will get you to heaven. There is only a relationship with Jesus that puts you in heaven now. 
I am the vine. And then he says, I'm not just a the vine. I actually have the Father. One God, one Father only. Not multiple, not many ways. It's me. Is that radical? Pretty radical. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, uh-oh, he takes away. Some versions, some commentary says that they, he's lifting them up to, to, to improve them. Maybe so, because we've got another verse down here, verse 6, that really messes us up. But he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. Ooh, easy now. He prunes it so that it may bear what? More fruit. That means the branch is already bearing what? Fruit. Now let's talk about the two things. Takes away or lifts up. Okay, I'm all right with that. You could say if he takes it away, maybe they were never saved. He doesn't say every branch that looks like it's in here. It says every branch is in here. So don't change God's word. If you go and you say the word could mean to lift up and to work with, it could be that. We'll deal with verse six in a minute. But let's go to the second part. Have you ever been pruned? If you haven't been pr pruned, you're not fruitful. Oh, but I'm going to pray the devil never messes me. Wait a minute. We read this morning in our little Sunday school group time in a small group. The devil was hanging out with Jesus and the 12 apostles and was actually entering the heart of one of them. Are you going to go to mind the devil? I wish you could. I wish somebody had done it about 2,000 years ago. Just bound him up. Gave us no trouble, right? Can't do it. We don't have, we do not have the power to bind up the ark fallen angel Satan. Who has the power to do that? Jesus. Jesus. So we get an opportunity. God uses and allows difficult situations to come our way to do what? To prune us. Glory to God. And also the Father prunes us. So when you're going through difficulty, what should your prayer be? Thank you, Lord, who said that. Thank you, Lord. Because what's about to happen? You're about to get more fruitful. Oh, you mean you took that out of my life? Are you kidding me? I wanted that. No, no, come here, son. Come here. I'm going to let this branch grow this way. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to touch the branch, Lord. No, no, no. Let me, let me trim that. Let me trim that. Events in our lives. Yes. We can do like Paul. We can say, oh, Lord, this thorn in my flesh, please take it away. And, and sometimes he does. Hallelujah. But sometimes he says, what? My grace is sufficient. So... Submit to the pruning process as hard as it may be. I think it was a missionary Livingston. He prayed, take me to whatever you want, wherever you want me to go. As his wife died on the mission field with him. Take me wherever you want me to go. With his continued prayer. As God pruned things that you and I would say were good. 
Allow the pruner to do his work. Verse three, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. That's verse four. I'm gonna come back to verse three, but verse four, where does our sap our energy, our flow come from. It only comes through Jesus. There's a couple words I learned in teaching biology. Cohesion is how you see water kind of come up because water sticks together because of plus and minuses. I don't know how to teach all of it really well, but I know that little bugs can walk across water. Adhesion sticks to the outside of the little test tube that I'm teaching in biology, and it flows up. How does water go up a tree? Adhesion. It's really cool. Where do we get the Holy Spirit flowing from? The vine. Without the vine, it doesn't happen. Back to verse three. You are already clean because of what? The word that's been spoken to you. You are cleansed by what Jesus has already brought into you. Kind of like the washing of the feet. He said, Peter, man, you're, you're, whole, you're clean. Just your feet get dirty. If you're born again, you are what? Clean. It's just our feet get dirty, right? And when we abide in him, we grow in this. Verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, oh goodness, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If I'm not bearing fruit, what's the obvious answer about where I'm at in my relationship with the Lord? Let me ask it again, because it's, it's got some thoughts going through your mind. I know some of the thoughts going through your mind. If there's no fruit or very little fruit, how is my relationship in abiding with the Father? It's weak. But now here's where we slip up. What is fruit? Is it 15 people saved? Is it how many people I led to Jesus? No. That's a result of real fruit. Is it my virtue? Is it the multiple ways we see the fruit of the Spirit? That comes out, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. But even that is a result of real fruit. Well, I just knocked two of your areas off the top, didn't I? But it ought to take away the wrong kind of guilt. It ought to take away condemnation. Maybe you're not an evangelist like somebody else. Maybe you can't talk to people and get them to come to Jesus like others. But here's real fruit. Let me, let me throw this at you. It is the possession of divine life itself. It is God's life flowing in us. It is a knowledge of God that is deep within our very being. It's a union with God, a relationship that we put above every other relationship. It's a love for God and for others that is undeniable. 
yeah, but I can't, I can't check off my list and say, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. No, 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 that's what, it's, not that, it's not that at all. I can't say, okay, me and Carla, we've got a great relationship because I emptied the dishwasher. I filled her car up with gas and uh, threw away the diaper that she changed off the wheel. That would be works religion. Instead, I have a relationship where we work together because we love each other. And the fruit of that is seen in how that relationship builds and grows. And people are drawn to us when we have that relationship with Jesus. And then there's a result that somebody may ask or we may have a chance to share Christ with them. And the joy of that happens. And there may be people get saved. Maybe not. Maybe their lives are changed. Maybe they're not. But the fruit is our relationship with him. Abiding affects everything around us. And just like I walked down through here trying to represent what it would be like when the Holy Spirit walks in, we change the atmosphere of everywhere we're at when we are abiding and he is abiding in us. Just think about when Jesus walked into any situation on this earth. The atmosphere changed before he did anything. His relationship with his father made him different. They were drawn to either love or hate him. The same goes for us. As we are filled with God's spirit, as we abide in Jesus, we affect the atmosphere we find ourselves in. The fruit bearing of an abiding relationship will affect all we say, do, and ask. You may not have been in this situation. I've had times where people hated me and I didn't do anything. And I've had times where people liked me and I didn't do anything. And it wasn't me that they liked or hated. It's the relationship of the Father. The Holy Spirit comes to do what? Convict, encourage. He changes everything. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had that? Young man in this community got saved in his 20s. But he hated me, Steve Fields. Ben Cocker, there was five people in this community he hated. And none of the five had ever spent much time with him, nor did they dislike him at all. We loved him. And when he got saved, guess who he loves? All five, because the problem was he was lost. And the spirit inside of you, as a born-again Christian with the Holy Spirit, it has an effect. You with me? That's the fruit do people get saved from that? Yes. Is there love, joy, peace? Yes. Is your life different? Yes. Do you want to spend time in this word? Yes. But not as a checklist. It's as a loving relationship with the one who died for you and rose for you and loves you and abides in you today. Verse 5. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. The consequence of remaining in the vine is bearing much fruit. The consequence of not remaining in the vine is to be cast out, withered, gathered, and burned. Can we agree that a fruitless branch is useless? Yes, we can. We agree with Scripture. Ezekiel 15 refers to the wood of a useless vine as being useless except for being fueled to the fire. But according to the Bible commentaries, contrary to what my first thought here is, John is not using this reference as the end eternal damnation view for this branch. It's not what he's saying. The saint perseveres to the end. It's not talking about losing salvation. But I got bad news, I guess. It's worse. For John, in his view, it was punishment enough to be separated from Christ and God and therefore exposed to withering and death. The fact that you're no longer receiving the life of God and you're withering and dying is horrible. And you may look physically fine. But when you choose to step away and to not abide, you've lost the life you were getting from the vine. And in this earth, you slowly wither and wind up cast away and are of no value to the kingdom. Does that mean God doesn't love you? It means he lets you have some choice in this matter. You, you came to him because he chose you. He loved you. Oh, he loves you. You didn't bear much fruit. He put on fertilizer. He came around. He chases you. But at some point when you say, I'm just going to live my life. Because I took care of that. I'm just going to do whatever I want for the rest of my days. What's sad is you just left life. And there is a scripture that says some are saved as if by fire. The casting out is simultaneous with the cessation of the vital union with Christ. Not a future consequence like the final judgment, but the result of separation. You've seen it. The withering 
and dying of a branch that was willfully choosing the world over God, the one who leaves the abiding, the abiding with the vine. We've all seen the slow drying up in a person who stops abiding in the vine. Separation from God is the essence of all judgment. Willful separation. If you find yourself remembering a time you had that peace and joy and you now sense a drying, dying, no peace, no joy, existence, and the only thing you're looking for is the next high in this earth, the next thing to make you have peace. Somebody said yes to your Facebook post. You're tweeting, you had a bunch of people respond, and that's your life now. Run back. Run back quickly to the one who died for you and who has never left and was actually chasing you now. Are you with me? Have you ever been a, a week away from the Father? Have you ever been a week away after just walking with him, walking with him, walking, and you've taken a week off? You ever been there? Isn't it a sick feeling? Run to the Father. Final two verses that I'm going to share today is 7 and 16. There's a whole lot from 8 to 15. I'm going to share 7 and 16. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit that your fruit will remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. I rented a Latin last night. If you don't know what it's like to abide in the vine, you might think I'm saying to take a genie's lamp and rub it and ask God just do whatever you want. Now what it says, that genie pops up, who is it, Will Smith plays the genie on the real Latin. What this says is, when me and Carla, for example, are united and we're communicating, me and my wife are abiding, we have the same thought patterns, we have the same goals, we're on the same page, we're going the same direction. And I say, baby, could you do this? Guess what she normally says? Sure. When we're separated in what we believe and what we think and everything about us is different and, and we don't even get along. We don't even like each other today. I could ask her for something and she might just throw something at me. Our body is with the eternal Father through Jesus' Son, through the Holy Spirit. He doesn't change. And as we get closer and closer and closer and we're abiding and we're in his word and we're communicating with him and we're talking with him and he's changing us and he's pruning us and then we say he says ask me anything what am I going to ask him what do 
are you going to ask him? Glory to God, he's going to say yes. Because if you're abiding in the vine, he says in the middle verse that I didn't read, he says, you're no longer a slave. I call you a friend. Because I'm going to tell you where we're going. Have you ever been there? I, I can't explain how I know some things. He tells me when we're taking a left turn. When I abide with him, I know what to ask for. Eric preached. It reminded me of part of the be sure to be a witness when you're supposed to be a witness. Was it three weeks ago, Carl, after that sermon? We go and walk at the workout place. Former student athlete comes up. I've been talking to him for months. He mentioned, a, I think, a torn rotator cuff. He has other issues and concerns. And Carl said, come here, Carl. I said, you're a physical therapist. I'm PE. I tell him to run laps, you know. She comes over. He shares that. And we both knew. We just need to prep it. Now, I know it looks weird for a 56-year-old coach to be crying in a workout place hugged up to a big old muscled-up former student, but we prayed that God would heal him. The next week, he says, I just got through talking to Coach Dorsey. I got to tell you, he said, when I walked away, I didn't realize it, but I did a full workout and nothing hurt. So I added weight and did more, and it still doesn't hurt. He said, I think God's trying to talk to me. And I said, yes. He is. But I pray for my mom and dad every day that their back pain and difficulties at 80 years old would be less. And it's not. But I still pray. He didn't always do what I want. He does what I want in line with what he wants. That's the abiding. Isn't that glorious? Ask anything. So what would you ask? What would you ask? A new car? A million dollars? To be king of the world? Who, who is in your life right now? I would ask. I would ask for my nephew to be saved. I would ask for my other nephew and niece to be born again. Is that in line with God's will? And it's complicated, right? But I would still ask, what would you ask for? I was praying last night. God, how is this going to wrap up? Sometimes he shows me the end, sometimes he doesn't. I do not have an audible voice ever going off my head. It's me talking to myself, and that happens. <laughs> but I feel a nudge. He's real. I feel like he said in my heart as I was praying that let's ask so if you would kindly just join us we pray what does God put on your heart where you're abiding with him and he says yes I want you to pray that and of course I'll pray a little bit out loud but you pray out Father I ask oh God Father, fill us with your spirit that we may continue to show forth this life that you've given us and affect the world around us, Jesus. 
Father, let the fruit of that just shine to all those around us. Matthew 5, 16, Father, let your good works work through us so that we may be seen by others to, to praise you, Father. Father, we pray that many will be drawn to you, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that your spirit within us would change the atmosphere at work. Jesus, I pray for my nephew, Robert. I pray that he be saved, Jesus. I pray that he turn away from the drugs that he's in. Father, I pray for Joseph in heaven. I pray, Lord, that this mental ascension they made to a religion, Father, would be replaced by true salvation. I pray, Lord, that you would save him. I ask you to continue strength for Eric and Steve as they preach, as they prepare, as they serve this body. I pray, Lord, that you continue to make an impact, Father. Father, thank you, Jesus, for everyone in this room here. Thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your moving of your Holy Spirit. Father, I'm going to take this mic off my ear. It's this this instruction to you. Father, help us just to pray right now. If you would stand at your feet and lift up your heart to Jesus, what does God want you to ask thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.